Today on the Zabecast, the Final Four is set and the Coach K cinematic send-off appears to be gaining steam. Are you rooting for it or against it? The Big Ten needs to do some serious soul-searching. Vegas is back and that's both good and bad, plus a travel hack I never, ever considered. Your 30-minute dose of Pure Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Monday, March 28, 2022. Thank you for downloading. It is the down and dirty edition on a Monday. As I'm due to travel back, back east, back to reality. From my week-long trip to Mesquite to play golf with a bunch of golf fanatic knuckleheads. Many of whom are not good players, but they love the game. Had a great week. The weather got warm. Record high temperatures out here in Vegas and Mesquite, upper nine, not upper 90s, but into the 90s. Uh, pools were open. They were rocking uh, in Vegas. I didn't go to any of them, um, but it was, uh, it was a great week. And then we look at the weather. The weather back in Milwaukee, brutal, 19 for a high, 9 degrees of a low. Not much better in my other residence in uh, Virginia. And so, yeah, winter is still going on, despite my week-long trip out here to the desert. I'm sorry about my voice. My voice is not great. Had a good night last night with my friend K-Dub, who is letting me crash at his apartment here in Vegas. He used to live in Scottsdale. Um, And he's got this great corporate apartment in an apartment complex concept, the likes of which I have never seen before. Basically, he lives in Southern Highlands, and he lives in an apartment complex that is centered around a full-blown restaurant and sports bar. Yes, right in the middle of the entire apartment complex as part of the apartment complex. I do believe you can come in from the outside if you just wanted to go have dinner or lunch or watch games, but the interior space is amazing. In fact, it's so good. I said to K-Dub, I go, dude, we could have Zabe Vegas here. What a space. And he goes, you know, I'm a, as a resident, I'm allowed, you know, to rent it out or, or, you know, we can, we can, uh, you know, pay him to, to reserve the space for a private get together. And I said, I'm seriously considering it depending on what they would charge. Now, it's a bit out of the way, but we can make a go of it if I can get Zabe Vegas stood up again after two years down now. It's my first trip back to Vegas since the pandemic. And I can say with confidence that Vegas is back. And that is both good and it's also bad. Vegas is back in terms of the crowds. Vegas is back in terms of the buzz. Vegas is back in terms of the table limits. Very high at most strip properties. Vegas is back in terms of the traffic getting in and around the casinos. Vegas is back in terms of finding a cab on the weekends. Uh, Vegas is back in both all the good and bad ways 
you would want it to be. I think there's a ton of pent-up demand, to be sure. And so I think that's going to affect things for at least the next, I don't know, six to eight months. People like me that used to like to come out here at least once a year, or just once a year, are saying, it's open. It's open, it's rocking. Now, there are some people that you will see walking around the, uh, the, the, the big zombie mass of people walking around Vegas with masks on. And hey, that's their choice. But I look at them and I think to myself, do they feel a little bit stupid? Or do they feel kind of smart? Like, hey, I'm here having a good time in Vegas, but I've got this mask on. See, all you idiots. All you idiots out there with no protection on. Then I would see the boyfriend with the girlfriend, and I would be 99% sure that the boyfriend went along with it just because the girlfriend said, while we're out walking around, we're going to wear our masks just to be safe. But anyhow, it uh, it reminded me, because this is the weekend that we would normally do my Zabe Vegas promotion, it reminded me of all the great previous Zabe Vegases. And in retrospect, they really came off better than I thought at the time. And part of me is getting a little bit nostalgic, a little bit, what's the word? A little bit regretful? No, that's not it. Just a little bit sad realizing that the best of my listener promotions and the best of our fun here is probably behind me. And I think that's something that comes with middle age, where you think that about everything you do, whether it's your health or your waist size or your golf game, that realization of, yep, that was great, that was fun. I seemed way more spry, way more energetic about life and everything else, and now look at me. Not quite so much oomph, not quite so much zeal. You got to fight against it, I guess. You got to swim against the tide. I am going to promise to try to stand up this promotion for Sweet 16 weekend next year. But I, I don't know if I can get us a deal on rooms. You know, when we first started Zabe Vegas in 2010, not only did I have a personal hookup who was the PR director at the Palazzo Resort, who got us an incredible deal uh, for rooms as well as for a place to watch the games. But it was just different. You know, Vegas was still coming out of the great recession of 2008 and the real estate collapse. Uh, Half of the center part of the Strip, the Aria and the Cosmo and all that, was, was half built. They had stopped construction on these massive properties And the skyscrapers just, you know, were way up, half built. And I remember asking guys out here saying, so what's going to happen to these things? They're like, I don't know. The bank took it over. They got to find someone else's money to try to, you know, finish it off and build it. Well, 10, 12 years later, uh, they're building again. Not only is the center part of the city thriving and huge and massive and crazy, but they're building again even 
more properties. So, but the problem is, you know, we got great deals because Vegas needed people. They, they were in the, hey, come on out mode back in 2010. That's not how it is now. In fact, I thought about getting a hotel room for Friday night just to be less of a burden to my man K-Dub, even though he was very nice. And I think the cheapest I found was $149 at the Stratosphere. Now, no disrespect to the Stratosphere, but that place is a shithole. I mean, I wouldn't... St- I thought you said you weren't... I said with all due respect. It's in the Geneva Con- Convention, you know. So anyway, <clears throat> I was like, 149 you kidding me? Everywhere else, 250 or so. We drove by Circa, and I talked to Big Mike, who was driving to the airport, ready to drop me off. I said, he goes, look, you can see the swim-up stadium, which is one of the great new wonders of Las Vegas. And he said, look, I think you can see a little piece of it. And I go, you know, why don't we plan a trip out here in September, early NFL season, when it's still hot, hot, hot summertime, and let's get a cabana, let's get some guys, and let's watch a whole day of football at the Circus Swim-Up place. I said, we'll pay 250 probably a room maybe for the three nights. We'll pay, I don't know, 500 a piece or something like that for the cabana. Within, which includes drinks and food, and it'll be a good day. He laughed. He goes, why don't we do that? Because you can't afford those cabanas. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, they're like ten grand or something crazy like that for, for a day or for six hours. I don't know what they actually are. I've gotten some people to kind of chime in on the pricing. They're even hard to get. But, man, all this money out here. All this money, people playing table games for amounts that make my knees buckle. And I look at them and I think, I know I both make more than you and I have more than you and you're gambling amounts that are crazy. But hey, viva Las Vegas. So we had a good night, K-Dub and I, but not a great night. He, uh, Kevin has two very nice vehicles. He has, he has his everyday 5 Series BMW, and he also has his toy, which is a Porsche 911. Sweet-ass car. And we were going out to stake, or STK, down at the Cosmo, where he's pretty much a regular, and, and he says, well, what car do you want to go with? And I said, I've never ridden in a Porsche. Let's take the Porsche. Okay. So we get out there, and you know he, he guns it a few times getting out of the highway, and I mean, you just your body just gets <laughs> slammed back into the car. It's also very low. You know, you got to you got to gently crawl into it and then you got to awkwardly climb out of it. It reminded me of the scene in the Sopranos where Jenny Sack got the Lamborghini and she couldn't get in and out of it. And it was all embarrassing for Johnny Sack. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad for me, but it it wasn't graceful, let me put it that way. So we go have a nice steak dinner, and then we go walk around the strip and uh, do a little bit of gambling and, you know, meet up with some of his friends and, you know, have a good night. And we're ready to shut it down. I forced him to say uh, to shut it down at 1 a.m. I'm like, you know what? I got to fly tomorrow. I really don't want to be out all night. Okay, great. So we're coming back, and all of a sudden on the highway, on I-15 South, I hear a boom, boom, just like that. And he says, oh, shit. 
I then look at the badass electronic dashboard that's like a fighter jet on this Porsche 911, and it instantly pops up a warning, boop, 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 and it shows the tire pressure, and it shows the front left tire losing air pressure. It's like minus 2, minus 4, minus 6, minus 10, minus 11. Obviously, he had cut a tire, and we're in the middle of I-15. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's really nowhere good to pull over. Luckily, he found a merge point where there was a concrete barrier that we we could kind of tuck behind as another major on-ramp came on to I-15. And then we had to wait for a tow truck. An hour and 45 minutes later, we (laughs) finally got the tow truck there. And it was just one of those things in life. You're like, that was a bogey. And I said, so do you think if you had hit that, whatever you hit, with the uh, BMW, you think it would have cut your tire? He said, no, because it's got run flats. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, fucking A. Can you believe it? Anyway, so that's my quick story of being here in Vegas. Back to reality, back to the cold, back to winter, back to the grind, back to talking sports, which I'm looking forward to because it's getting good. Coach K and Duke is going back to the Final Four. And they may meet their arch rival, North Carolina, that ruined Coach K's night. But we don't know that. I don't know that yet because the games, I'm recording this Sunday morning before I get on my plane, uh, the the St. Peter's phenomenon, the Cinderella story that is, the first ever 15 seed to make the Elite Eight. There have been teams that are Cinderella's that are first four teams that are 11 seeds, but a 15 seed is a unheard of scrub team. And the Peacocks have caught fire. And can they do it for one more game? Well, we'll see this afternoon. But either way, CBS is just drooling at the prospect of, you know, whether it's this incredible Cinderella story of St. Peter's to the Final Four, or if it's Carolina versus Duke in the semis, Uh, with revenge, and with Coach K's final run. It's going to be a great matchup. Then, of course, the other game uh, today is Kansas against the absolutely, totally likable Jim Laranega. Jim Laranega has been doing such a phenomenal job, sort of quietly down at Miami, which is not a basketball school. And I remember when he went to the Final Four as head coach at George Mason. And I remember when there was talk of, well, his contract is up. How much money is he going to want? How much can a rather humble commuter school, commuter, blah, 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 a rather humble commuter school, right there near the mean streets of McLean, Virginia, uh, how much can it afford to pay him, given that he is obviously a very good coach? He ended up getting more money to go to Miami, and at the time it was like, Miami? The hell are you going to do down there? And the answer is, coach his ass off. Laranega is the shit. I love that guy, and he's got Miami uh, one step from the final four. But here's the question I have for this Coach K Duke thing. And first of all, don't come at me with, oh, they're getting all the calls. Oh, the fix is in. Duke is better. Duke has sick talent. Duke is finally not underachieving 
like they once were earlier in the year. They're not drifting. They're not sort of coasting. When applying the full force of their talent all across their starting five, you look at them and you say, who's going to beat these guys? I am not a Coach K fan. I recognize his greatness. I respect what he has done. He's not a terrible guy, but you can have him. I don't like the way when things got tough at times. He both bailed, and then also when he would get on his high horse and lecture kids on other teams. Not a fan of it. Also, absolutely berated the referees, worked the referees his entire life, his entire coaching career. And while every coach does that, I just thought that his working of the refs was a bit unseemly, a bit above and beyond, that he got away with too much because he was Coach K. But that said, it's going to be fascinating for me to see if this amazing empire, this brand, this absolute juggernaut of a program in college basketball, the very definition of college basketball, as Pete Gillen, who's still alive, uh, once said, they're on TV, Duke, more than leave it to Beaver. Coach K kept his recruiting up. He kept his coaching up. The program never suffered any significant major dips. They would have some first-round exits. They would have some teams that were a little bit unbalanced or mismatched or whatever. But he kept it up and he built the empire, and I respect that. Don't like it, but I respect it. And I have a brother-in-law, Jim, who's a huge Duke fan, and I don't want to root against him. Because I, you know, so I don't know. We'll we'll see. If it's Carolina versus Duke, I how can you care about either one? If it's Kansas plus Villanova, well, Villanova's already in, but if it's Kansas, Carolina, Duke, and Villanova, talk about a total blue blood Final Four, both in uniform color schemes and in terms of college basketball program royalty. Of course, Kentucky is the other of the four true blue bloods. But Villanova with Jay Wright, quietly, steadily, even without lottery picks on this year's team, efficiently, ruthlessly good. And they're in the Final Four again. Somebody tweeted, Jay Wright is like Coach K, only universally liked. Oh, dagger. Meanwhile, the Big Ten Conference has got to do some deep, Deep soul-searching. Nine teams in, none of them to the Elite Eight. And Purdue was the last to bow out, and Purdue once again became Perdon't. <laughs> Purdue fans know this very well, that when it comes time to deliver with good teams, good players, it seems to always be, nope, not going to happen. Now, Here's the thing about Big Ten basketball, and certainly when it applies to Wisconsin, and I I tiptoe gently into this, because Wisconsin as a program, they know who they are, they know what they can get in terms of talent, and they play the game that works for them. But my God, after watching Wisconsin all year long closely and then seeing some of these other tournament teams, not even necessarily the Blue Bloods, but Duke, or not even just Duke, Kansas, Carolina, but to see 
the lesser teams or the, the second tier teams from the South, whether it's Houston or Arkansas or Miami, and to see some of the athletic explosiveness. I mean, Wisconsin just doesn't have that. I don't know if they'll ever get that. I don't know if it's even possible. I do think the committee doesn't do the Big Ten any favors by giving them eight or nine teams every year because they've had seven, eight, nine teams every year for the last 22 years, and that's the last time that they cut down the nets, anyone from the Big Ten, and that was Michigan State. The game is so athletic now, and there's guards and wings that can do amazing things. I'm just not sure if the old school kind of fundamental basketball that tends to be Big Ten basketball can actually win a six-game tournament to win six to win it all. We'll see about that. I'm not sure what can be done. I do think the committee needs to maybe dial them back to just six. Six bids until further notice, until we see a little bit different. Because otherwise, you're throwing too many bids at the Big Ten, which is not built for March. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One nugget I heard about Vegas is that they're going to have a Formula One race here in 2023. And they're going to start the race on the strip in front of the Eiffel Tower. And then it's going to go off onto the side streets and whatnot. It sounds like it's going to be a bonkers spectacle. And for those that love Formula One, I'm sure you're already like, oh, we got to go to Vegas for that. I am aware of the Formula One phenomenon. I'm aware of the Drive to Survive series. I think that's on Netflix. I am going to give it a shot. And I'm not a huge racing fan, no matter what the, the, the format is or what the circuit is. But I'm at least curious. I'll give it a try. So, waking up this morning, I said, oh, look at this. There's a Formula One race today. It's in Saudi Arabia. Here's live pregame coverage. I'll tune in. I'm just waking up, coming around. I'm like, let's see what it looks like. And I listened, and I, I watched, and I took note of everything, and I'm like, man, that's very dry. Very dry. Very tough for me to get into this. Maybe once I get to know the teams and the personalities and, I don't know, just how the sport works, I'll get more into it. But I just can't see myself ever being a Formula One fan. We'll see if it takes. 
Travel hacks. So I'd never considered this before, but Daryl, who was on the trip with us to Mesquite, is getting ready. You know, I'm unloading my stuff to depart from the guys, and Daryl says, here, do you want my pillow? And I go, oh, you traveled with a pillow. And he said, no, I didn't travel with it. I bought it at Walmart as soon as we got to town in Mesquite. I go, really? He goes, yeah. He said, I never have good enough pillows at the hotel I'm staying at. And so I always just buy one for 10 bucks at a local Walmart if I'm in a town that has some place to get a, a cheap pillow. And then I just leave it afterwards. I'm like, wow, that's an interesting travel hack. I said, you don't want to ask the hotel for more pillows? He goes, nah, some of the places I stay, the pillows are too thin and they're not very good. And I thought, that's a hell of a travel hack. I would like to hear or know any travel hacks you have where maybe you just wouldn't normally think of it like, hey, this is what I do. It sounds completely crazy or counterintuitive or I would have never thought to do that, but what is a good travel hack that you have come upon? Deshaun Watson made his first contact with the media in Cleveland. Also, the general manager of the Browns made his first contact with the media regarding the acquisition and the massive payday they have awarded Deshaun Watson. By most accounts, and I've not listened to all of it, I've seen snippets, by most accounts, it went fairly well. The GM better than Deshaun Watson. But this is something where, and also a second grand jury also declined to indict Deshaun Watson on any crimes. The whole 22 women thing is going to be hard, though, for a lot of the blue check media to get over. They're going to want to use it and say, well, they can't all be lying. And my answer is, well, half of them might be. And then half of the other half could be wildly exaggerating. And then two or three of them might have a legitimate claim for Deshaun Watson being creepy as fuck, disrespectful, or possibly committing a, not a crime, not a, you know, civil crime, not a criminal, criminal crime, but at least something that would result in a civil uh, decision against him. Like I said before, If the legal system can't clear you, if you can't at least be, hey, there's no charges and now you're free to go play, then we're just going to have a a league in which if you're accused of anything, certain people in the media are going to say, well, you shouldn't play at all. And I think that's crazy. Now the pressure's on him to not suck. Oh, he won't suck. He's really good. Okay. It's a hard league. It is a challenging NFL. We'll see how good he is. Drummer talk. Taylor Hawkins, drummer for the Foo Fighters, dies suddenly in his hotel room while on tour. Apparently had a heart attack, massive heart attack. Uh, They've already said within 48 hours it was a drug overdose. And then they walked that drug overdose back. And then there's speculation about this, that, and the other. I heard he might have been uh, a little bit vaccine hesitant or anti-vaccine. I saw somewhere that maybe Dave Grohl had sort of pressured him into it. It's impossible to tell why he died at this relatively young age, relatively speaking, healthy. 
But whenever there's drugs involved, you just don't know. Fentanyl overdoses all over the place. You know, we were playing uh, blackjack, Big Mike and I, at the casino at Mesquite. And there was a guy at our table, completely zoomed out of his mind, on shrooms. Because he kept saying, man, he wants some shrooms? Man, he was at, he was offering it to us. We're like, nah, I think we're good. And afterwards, I said to Mike, I go, come on, man. You didn't want to take some shrooms? He goes, no, man. could be laced with fentanyl. I said, but they're mushrooms. They're the most natural of your psychedelic drugs. And he said, you would be surprised. Fentanyl is getting laced in all kinds of stuff. That said, I knew very little about um, Taylor Hawkins, except for the fact that I watched the Alanis Morissette documentary uh, on the plane ride out. And it was a great documentary just because it really chronicled how she started out as this typical pop sort of, you know, musical talent. She was very good at a very young age and she did all the poppy stuff and was all glammed up. Yay, nice, sweet songs. That wasn't going anywhere. And then she went back to Canada, sort of went underground for a year, came back to LA, hooked up with this songwriter and then just started writing shit that was totally different. Totally angst-filled, some people said angry, soul-searching, whatever. But it was a sound that had never been delivered before from a female artist. And her album, Jagged Little Pill, was a smash hit. And I think it is the second best-selling female debut album of all time. Or maybe the second best-selling female album, period, of all time. But it just kind of came out of nowhere. The documentary fascinated me because I thought, are there talents now, musical talents, that can come out of the weeds, come out of the woodwork, that are to- that have a totally different sound, that break the norms of what we're used to? But it was, a, it was a good documentary, and she seemed quite normal, which I never really thought she was normal. I thought she'd always be a little bit weird. But she seems very normal, very grounded, very happy now with uh, two young children. But she talked about Taylor Hawkins, her drummer, at the time when you know they had wrapped up their tour after like 18 months, and he had gotten an offer from the Foo Fighters, and he said, you know what, I better take it because this is a good opportunity. And when he told her, uh, Alana said she was just crushed. She was like... I, I I was happy for him, but at the same time, like, he was almost a brother to me. Seems like everybody really loved this guy, Taylor Hawkins, and that's obviously very tragic. There's another drummer, though, that did his last performance over the weekend, a guy from my wheelhouse of the 80s, Phil Collins. Now, Phil Collins, of course, became the front man and sang for uh, Genesis and in, then his own solo act, but... He was a drummer. Phil Collins, at 71 years old, is a wreck physically. And he did his last concert sitting down in a wheelchair because he's got, like, neck problems and uh, back problems and just all kinds. He's got nerve damage. He can't even hold a drumstick anymore. And I know that 71 ain't young, but damn it, I don't like to see, I don't think anyone does, I don't, I don't think you like to see your teenage, if not idols, your teenage icons 
in such a sad state. But there is Phil Collins looking very, very old. Did his last concert. Uh, said he's going to have to find a real job now over the weekend. Finally, we'll end on this. I'm recording today's podcast on my piece of shit Zoom P4 pod track that's going right back to Guitar Center because it's just not reliable. And I could have taped today's podcast apparently in the podcast studio that is part of my man K-Dub's wonderful, unique apartment complex. I said, wait, what? You have a podcast studio? And he says, oh, yeah, it's one of the amenities in addition to the restaurant and the sports bar in the middle of the apartment complex. In addition to an incredible pool area and an incredible cabana and sort of synthetic grass area with beautiful palm trees and, mind you, a jumbotron to watch sporting events on outside by the pool at his apartment complex, totally free. Forget about going to the uh, cabanas at Circa. I'll just come here to his apartment complex. I'm serious. This jumbotron is probably 15 by 20 feet. (laughs) Incredible. But he said, yeah, we got a podcast studio. I said, wow. I said that I feel like, A, A, I would love to live here. Uh, But B, wow, that, that means that podcasts are just so commonplace, are so ubiquitous, that Every swinging dick and every clanging set of ovaries has a podcast to the point where they're like, oh, yeah, you want to live here? You can go do your podcast in there. I really need to pull some of the great clips from Family Guy where Peter decides, let's do a podcast. Oh, guys, good. You're here. I am so excited. Guess what? Uh, I hope this isn't about your podcast again. Why? Did you finally listen to it? Yeah, it's just 15 minutes of you listing all the hats you could think of. Sherlock Holmes hat. Football man hat, angry working class Irish idiot hat, underwear because you're a cat in a laundry basket hat, Vietnamese the sun is my enemy hat, Halloween mask that I flip up to eat my candy hat, college guy wearing a pizza box hat, blue hat. I think that's all the hats. And <laughs> they just start talking about nothing. But um, yeah, I didn't get to check out the podcast studio, but. Maybe it was fabulous. Maybe they had a producer standing by as part of the amenities. Like, okay, sir, we're ready to record. Uh, do you need some sound effects here? Uh, your levels sound good. Okay, um, recording. I'm going to go ahead and edit this afterwards. Maybe I should have gone down there this morning. It might have been fantastic. All right, I'm on a flight back to reality, back to the cold, back to winter, which stills goes, stills going on. Back to mornings, 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. Thank you to both Josh and Billy who held down the fourth, the Young Bucks. I hope they, hope they did a great job without me. I'm sure they did. I'm back in the saddle. I put my voice on vocal rest for the rest of the day, and I thank you for listening. Have a great Monday, everybody, and we will see you next time. <laughs>